devotional podcast to make sure you have the spiritual nourishment that you need to make it through these difficult times. Today's topic, what is the sign of the end? Maybe you've been looking at recent events and have been thinking, how much worse can it get? The end must be near. The Lord has to be coming back soon. Well, you're not alone. The disciples are asking this same question about signs at the end. Our passage today comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Let's go to the scripture. And as he came into the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will be not left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus said to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. This passage was from the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. At this point, the disciples were looking forward to an earthly kingdom of God. They were still confused about Jesus saying that he must die and rise again on the third day. The Jews at this time were aware of an end of time and a resurrection with judgment, but they weren't clear on the timetable. They wanted to know what to look for and to know that it was at hand. Jesus said regarding the temple that not one stone would be laid upon another that they'd all be thrown down. He also mentions false Christs, rumors of wars, and earthquakes. Well, the temple was torn down just as Jesus said in 70 AD. Over the years, there have been many false messiahs leading countless people astray, including Buddha, Mohammed, Joseph Smith, among others. And in the 5,000 years of recorded history, only 268 of those years have been in peace. Modern geology can live track earthquakes worldwide and the activity is astounding. So we have to be getting close, right? Jesus didn't say these were signs, but he called them birth pains, meaning they would become more intense and closer together as time draws near. Well, take a look around you. This has got to be it, right? Well, we'll slow down. Maybe you remember a few other events. Remember 2012 when the Mayan calendar was supposed to come to an end, bringing total calamity on the earth? The sun rose on December 22nd, and life kept on going. Maybe you remember the Y2K fears when all the computers were supposed to crash and planes would fall out of the sky. The only thing that dropped was the stock market due to panic sell-offs. We entered the 21st century without skipping a beat. The list goes on. Some of you may remember a book, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. 4.5 million copies were sold, but all were left waiting. This is nothing new. In 1666, European Christianity was certain of the return of the Lord was right at hand from the date alone, 1666 with 666 in the date, and events like the Great London Fire. But even the Thessalonian church as early as 51 AD was interested in the coming of the Lord, and by 2 Thessalonians, they thought they may have missed his return. Church family, don't get yourselves worked up over the issue of the return of the Lord, Mark 13.32 tells us that no one knows the day or the hour. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 echoes this, saying, It will be like a thief in the night. 
The truth is, the return of the Lord has been imminent since his ascension, meaning it could happen at any moment. There's nothing you can do about the timing. But as Mark 13.35 says, stay awake. So what are we to do in the meantime? Well, if his return were to be in five hours, five years, or five decades, maybe even longer, the answer is the same. What follows is a list that I picked up from a Eugene Bankston sermon from several years ago. The first thing we must do is to watch. Pay attention to the times and have his return on your mind. What if he were to return today? What would I want to be caught doing? I can remember exactly where I was watching the Challenger disaster, as well as when the second plane hit the Twin Towers on 9-11. I'm sure you do too. What if, what were you doing when Christ's return was a common topic of conversation when we get in heaven? I want to make sure I have a good answer. If we are mindful that his return could be at any time, and we believe in the reality of hell, witnessing to others should be done with pleading and urgency. We all have friends and loved ones that we know that would be separated from the Lord forever should today be their last. You and I ought to be like firemen kicking down the doors, offering rescue to those still lost. Yet we're often timid or don't want to offend. We need to share the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Witnessing is the second thing we need to be doing. Then we need to wait on the Lord. Not just sit back and wait until he moves, but wait on him like a server at a restaurant. I waited tables at a local restaurant for a few years. My job was to attend to my customers' needs and wants. I would talk to them and ensure I understood the order, bring them what they wanted, then circulate the dining area to make myself available to them should they need me. How well I waited on them was reflected in my tips. We must communicate with the Lord and let him communicate with us, then make ourselves available to him. We also need to trust that these things will not go unnoticed. The next thing we must do is to work. Jesus may have paid your sin debt, but life is still rolling on. Bills and taxes will be due in their time, so you have to keep working. Let me tell you about a group called the Millerites. In 1844, they were so certain that the Lord was returning that many of them sold their possessions, went into the wilderness, and waited on hilltops for his return. The aftermath was called the Great Disappointment. Let's not fall into that trap. We have to keep working. Finally, we should worship. Worshiping the King is what we will be doing in eternity. Why shouldn't we start now? We need to worship in song, in reading the Word, and in our lifestyles. We can worship individually and corporately. Maybe not right now, but soon we'll be able to worship corporately again. We can worship in prayer. We can pray scripture back to God, declaring his worth. So to sum up, the things that we must be doing as we are waiting for his return is to watch, to witness, to wait, to work, and to worship. For more on this subject, you can listen to Pastor Andy's Sunday evening message from April 5th. You can find it on our website. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we look forward to your return. We look at the times and can become discouraged easily. Help us to be watchful, not just for your return, but your activity in our lives today. Let us witness with boldness to those who need to hear it as we wait on you. Lord, help us to work wholeheartedly as if for you, not for man. And may our lives be characterized by worship of you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us here Monday through Friday for more devotions from the Bible Fellowship Church pastoral staff and on Sundays for our online services. Go to our website, www.bfcsebring.com, for more resources. 
Follow us on YouTube and Facebook, BFC Family, for service updates and other helpful articles. Have a blessed day.